0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night on Narrative Live. It's so good to be with you tonight as we continue our investigation into the Charles Bosman file. And we're really excited to have Joe Dempsey here with us tonight. How are you, Joe? Welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Thanks, Ev. Hi. Nice to see you. Happy New Year.
0: You too. And Gal Suburban is back, making her second appearance on the show. Well, by audio only, but still, welcome back, Gal. It's nice to have you here. One of these days, Thanks I'm going to get for you on camera. Me. You're my new LB project. <laughs> it, took me, uh, LB, it took me about a year to get LB to show up on camera, so maybe we'll get to, do, to you quicker. So we're going to do a lot of interesting things tonight. We're going to look into the Bausman file that we didn't get into yesterday, especially the video of him on Russian state television on his return to Russia, basically providing what seems to be a step-by-step way for the Republican Party to fight this whole, you know, January 6th allegations around the coup. So it's fascinating. It's interesting, and you'll enjoy the show. But before we do that, there is a lot of breaking news tonight and it revolves around this man kevin mccarthy has now got a letter from the january the 6th committee now we're not surprised that he got a letter of course he's certainly one of the more interesting characters around Henry the sixth who has a lot of explaining to do but i am surprised by the amount of detail in this particular letter and i just want to run through some of it with you this is the joy of live television with breaking news basically it's interesting because they talk about this one thing that he did on January the 6th where he made the speech. I have the clip here, but I won't play the whole thing. But he basically on that day said the president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob riders He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. The facts require immediate action by President Trump, except his share of responsibility, quell the brewing unrest, and, and he's sure President elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. Now he no longer thinks that. He might think it, but he no longer says those kinds of things. Go ahead, Joe
1: He didn't think that three weeks after the he said it. So yeah. where he was in Mar a Lago, right? He got summoned down to you know, I guess called into the principal's office, if you will. I don't know what happened at that meeting that he had at Mar a Lago after he said those things three weeks after this, but he definitely changed his tune afterwards.
0: He sure did. And you know, the thing is about him is that he seems to be very much beholden to various lobby groups. And it seems maybe there's some interference there from some lobby groups and trying to convince him to change his tune. Now, the next page is really interesting because now it talks to about um, an interview that he did with Nora O'Donnell at CBS News. And she said, you said you spoke with the president. What did the president say he would do? And he said, I know he had to put a, a tweet out there. I told him he needs to talk to the nation. I told him what was happening right then. And then Rep. McCarthy says, I was very clear with the president that when I called him, he had to stop and he has to go to the American public and tell them to stop this. It took a while before President Trump actually did that, but we know he said it. We said it on the record and he said it with Nora O'Donnell, but I didn't think he's readily admitting that this is the conversation that he had with Trump on that day.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you can deny it because I mean it's in the heat of the moment. I mean it's actually as it's happening. It's it's what's authentic. Like it's probably him being his most authentic when that happens. He probably. was literally under attack.
0: Yeah, and nervous and scared. Um sure. even though he probably knew what was coming. Even though they knew they were anticipating this because they seem to have been involved in the planning. It's surprising that this is you know that even in the heat of the moment they were shocked by how out of hand it had gotten. There's also the response that Trump said to Kevin McCarthy, which is, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you. So zero remorse or zero regret and just seems to not wanna take any action there. And then what I find really interesting on the next page is Jake Sherman's reporting. Jake Sherman, of course, now has been outed as having a Kevin McCarthy on a speed dial, but you know he tells Jake Sherman, or these Jake Sherman reports, that President Donald Trump and House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy got into a screaming match Wednesday as an enraged mob of Trump supporters attacked the Capitol, according to some familiar with the episode, which in this case is probably Kevin McCarthy, who's familiar with the episode. So, you know, it goes on a lot like that, but definitely Kevin McCarthy has a lot to answer for. And I think the committee is hoping that he is going to testify honestly, and I think he will. All indications are that he will testify. Is that right, Joe?
1: I don't know. I honestly don't. I think, you know, he's got a little bit to kind of, you know, he's a minority leader. So... You know, we're having difficulty trying to get even Jim Jordan, right, the ranking member of judiciary. He's not cooperating. I don't know, you know, how reluctant or how, you know, forcefully they want to enforce either these letters or these subpoenas. I I don't know why at this point they're not, you know, sending draft subpoenas along with these letters to say, hey, this is kind of coming. If you don't, you know, I think they should be a little bit more forceful. But
0: look what's happening with the uh, process. We we have not heard yet about Meadows. You know, it's amazing that it's been so long and Meadows has not received his indictment. And look how long it's taken just to get Bannon through, which will be July I yeah. think, or June when the next hearing takes place, which is way too far away. Um, of course, yesterday we had people around both Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Foyle subpoenaed to the committee. And that I think is really interesting. And we look forward to seeing what comes out of that testimony. But that's the latest news as we have it from the committee. Interesting stuff going on today. Gal. does anything you want to share about that letter? Anything else you want to throw in there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would just send a message to uh, you know Kevin McCarthy that... You're not going to be the leader anyway, so you might as well tell the truth.
0: Why do you think he's not going to be the leader? I
2: I just think that they're going to play him and pull him in either direction so that he's, you know, confused and afraid. That's kind of what Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Freedom Caucus, I think that they're trying to scare him into not testifying, making him think, oh, we're not, we're going to vote against you for the leadership of, you know, the House, but they're going to vote against him anyway. So he just needs to not listen to all the threats and the noise from that side, because they're not consistent people.
0: You don't think that if he maintains the stance, that you don't think that the party will stay behind him. Because I think if he continues to follow whatever the masters of the party are telling him to do, then he still could keep the speakership. I don't see, you know, maybe they'll do this Donald Trump thing where they replace him with Donald Trump. That's the other theory out there. But I think it's interesting to see whether he, if he toes the line, he might keep his job. I think that's the calculus he's making.
1: Yeah, You know, I think as voters, we need to have our own calculus in some of this, too. I think mm-hmm. that we have the ability to make sure that he's not the speaker. And mm-hmm. I think that when people, you know, start talking and having conversations about how oh, it's, it's almost inevitable that the Republicans are going to take the midterms, that's voter suppression right there. If we stop with that messaging, if we stop saying that it's inevitable that that's going to happen, then we have Mm -hmm. to give ourselves hope and say that we have the ability to make that change.
0: I think you're absolutely right there. And I think that we don't know enough yet to even figure out what this next election is going to be about because we still need to, uh, you know, so many shoes need to fall in this. And there's certainly no reason, according to the latest analysis of the uh, district and the uh, gerrymandering of the districts, it looks like it's fairly even between what the Republicans pick up and what the Democrats pick up. Even though there's been some of this early noise about the Republicans benefiting more than the Democrats, it seems like in reality, the gerrymandering is sort of even in different parts of the country. Still, it's an uphill battle, it's a midterm, and it tends to switch sides in a midterm, so who knows what will happen. All right, let's get back to the Bowsman file, because last night's show was fascinating to me. I could have spoken to the three of you, well, Gal and the other uh, two guests that we had for the entire night, because there was so much interesting information that came out, and it was so interesting to see it build on itself. We didn't have the videotape that we really wanted to play, but just to catch everyone up tonight, let's just do a quick update for everybody about who Mr. Bowsman really is. So. This is Charles Bowsman. I think he is a Russian disinformation agent, which means in his case that he might be directly linked to a Russian intelligence services, which is what I think he is or he's indirectly linked to the Russian intelligence services through this guy, whose name is Alexei Komov, who works for Konstantin Milofeyev, is an oligarch who spends a lot of his money on the Russian Orthodox Church. And through that Russian Orthodox Church runs this incredibly interesting influence group, if you want to call them that, maybe a propaganda group, maybe a full-on spy group, you might want to call them that. And Milofeyev is tied to Alexander Dugin, who we described yesterday as Putin's Rasputin, the man who sort of has given the entire Russian attack on democracy a theory, an ideology on which they could base their attack. Alexei Como obviously, sort of middleman in Russia. Jack Hannock is uh, Sean Hannity's former producer, believe it or not. So if you're wondering how Sean Hannity gets a, such an inside line on all of that, it's probably through Jack Hannock. And the man that yesterday we landed up describing as the man who might be the biggest influence agent in this whole story is Ed Lazansky, who's a professor who runs a fake university, according to Grant Stern. And he has been the sort of central person who's been pulling together a lot of the people who are sort of anti-American and pro-Russian in their views inside America. So Ed Lazansky is an interesting character. In fact, I want to show you a little bit of a tape, if I could. This is, um, you know, I found some tape through uh, Patrick Simpson uh, and uh, Grant Stern showing Ed Lazansky and Bowsman talking to, I think it was a conference in Moscow. I can't sure if it was in Moscow or in the States, but nevertheless, this is very early on, I think, in Bowsman's career in all of this. And he describes what he's doing. With his publication. And then there's an interesting exchange between him and Ed Lazanskia So I don't have it right in front of me, but you guys can fill in a little bit of time here by talking whatever you want to about the Charles Balsman as an individual and Russian insider, but also more broadly as this group. So Joe Gal, I don't know who wants to pick it up. Go ahead.
2: I was watching earlier today some of his old Russian insider and he used to be on the show called Crosstalk on RT. Oh yeah. And that's where you get some really, you know quick reaction answers from him because it's kind of meant to be an argumentative show where they have, you know, they're coming from opposing views. It was their version um, of Crossfire,
0: and, if I remember. Yeah.
2: And what's interesting about him is he is just... I mean, he is only defending Russia. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a very strong feeling that he has about this. So it was almost like I was not watching an American citizen argue with people.
0: Yeah, he certainly does have a very strong pro-Russian point of view. What's interesting, of course, we showed you video of him actually at January the 6th shooting video of himself inside the halls of Congress as all of this was going on, all this crazy rioting was going on. And as we play back some of this video it's worth noting that when he did his uh, his show on russian television he was on russia television which is the state-run television he did not in fact um mention that he was there shooting this kind of video i thought that was really interesting gal that he was actually there he had shot all this video and even though some of that video was included in the documentary on state television he did not talk about actually being there and shooting this video, nor did we see any of this video, obviously, because it's all of him. But I thought that was really interesting that they didn't confess that.
2: Yeah, he didn't say it explicitly. He just kind of more commented about what, you know, the mood and the temperature and what, you know, the patriots and, you know.
0: Yeah, he, he gives yeah, a really interesting, interesting retake on, on American history as well, which is fascinating. So, by yeah. the way, if you're watching on narrative.org forward slash TV, I can see those comments. And i can take those comments on the air so like this one from um marie who says um dugan wants to take advantage of the kazakh protest to turn the commonwealth of independent states into a Euro- eurasian union i not even sure what that means marie but there you go so we'll keep on watching those comments and we'll get back to what you guys have to say as well in the meantime you've been watching this video of um Bausman at the congress and why we're showing that is because gal found this incredible video on russian television once he got back to Russia, I guess he stopped being a full-on spy, and he started producing or working with his documentary for Russia Television, which is, as we heard yesterday, the state-run uh, main TV network. So everything you're about to hear from that should be viewed in that light. I mean, this is Russian propaganda designed for Russian people. Never mind, just Russian propaganda for yeah. the rest of the world. So it doesn't have any and of I, the filters that we would normally expect. It's just, this is what Russia wants its people to know. And this is basically what the Russian people think after watching these documentaries. So go ahead, Gal. Talk about how you found this. And the-
2: Yeah. Well, I found it because you guys were talking about it on your episode in December. And I was thinking, who is this guy? And so I kind of started looking into it. But he has this really obscure Telegram channel that has like, just a few followers which i think is really curious he seems to like wipe it clean and then put some things on it and then wipe it clean so may just be a place to disseminate messaging but what i will know about the video too is that he shot this immediately so he filmed this on january 7th the day after the insurrection and then it was aired in russia on i want to say january 16th or 17th um and then it wasn't um, converted into an English version until months later. So this was specifically for Russia on and the 7th. And we
0: know that he left town right after the January the 7th. So he probably recorded this video and then left town. He went to back to Russia where he we know he was spotted later that last year. But he's not been back to Pennsylvania where his base was. And he left all his property, about a million dollars worth of property behind. It has not been sold. There's some taxes probably still owed on it. But he's still very much a you know a man who appears to have left in a very very quick hurry after yeah, January. yeah
1: he may be gone so long that it's okay that his christmas lights were left up
0: yeah right right a year later probably still but <laughs> I, th- I think they did send a friend to actually pull those down you know along the way on to january the sixth he was very involved in so many things that really make him suspicious to me in any event for one thing he kept having these stop the steal rallies in Pennsylvania so he wasn't just like a editor of a russian insider newspaper or online publication which is his, you know what he claimed was his job he was also you know organizing protests along with the moonies of all people demanding that there was a recount in the Pennsylvania elections there you know which is unusual i think for any journalist to be involved directly in organizing protests but never mind a russian journalist who's here even though he's an american citizen who's here doing a publication for russian interest to be planning, you know, stop the steal events and encouraging people to ask for a recount in Pennsylvania. Seems really unusual to me. And then he also had this barn uh, that he owns, one of those million dollars worth of property in which he hosted neo-Nazi rallies. In particular, the um, party, it was just the Justice Party. Was that what it was National Justice party. The National Justice Party. The National Justice Party. Sorry, I try to keep all these things in my head, but sometimes it disappears. So the National Justice Party, Held their opening launch rally inside his barn, which is, you know, unusual look for anybody, but certainly for a Russian propaganda disseminator, it's even more unusual. He's also, you know, a monarchist, religious, orthodox guy. He really believes in returning things to the old way. And it, by the way, I didn't mention this yesterday, but it's really interesting that he's blamed the United States on the 40,000 people who died in the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. He says that if America wasn't there, 40,000 people would not have been killed, which of course, if Russia wasn't there, yeah. they would he be he no also war or...
2: blames the flight on the US also. Uh, right, the what flight Malaysian flight,
0: the Malaysian MH17, yes. whatever it was, yeah. 15. Yeah, this is the barn by the way. Yeah. I have a kind of obsession about this barn. I don't know why, but <laughs> I, I'll just keep it up there for now. Okay, so now that's Bausman. We've set you up for Bausman. I'm gonna set set you up on Ed Lazansky a little bit more in a bit. But this is Bausman's as he's arriving in Russia or at least he did the documentary here in the United States but then was aired in Russia a few days later. And what I want everyone to really pay attention to here cuz this is Russian state propaganda and I and I always hesitate to put up anything that is gonna be amplifying any sort of negative points of view or points of view that aren't true. Everything you're about to see that Bowsman says is likely untrue. You know, there's very little in here that I found that was true. And I think I'm showing it to you because I do think it's very, telling about how the Republicans are actually responding to the investigation into January the 6th. Because what basically, as we'll run through here, he points to four basic things that are the problem with the attacks on January the 6th. The first thing he says is a false flag. He says that FBI informants were involved in aggravating this whole event. He says that Pence backstabbed Donald Trump. And then he says that Pence angered the mob and that's why they got so violent. So keep that in your mind. This is the stuff that Russia is telling its people. It also happens to be what the Republican Party is using as its main defense around January the sixth. So exactly the same talking points coming from the Russians as are coming from the Republican Party.
1: Same words, Backstab. like that. They stabbed him in the back. That's what they were saying about Pence yeah. and, and then you know, how he treated Trump on January sixth that he had stabbed him in the back. Same and this
0: words. was this was a year ago that this was aired there. So. It's the first, certainly the first instances that, you know, this is the next day. I don't think anyone in the United States was thinking in these terms, except for Charles who who is busy putting together this documentary, right. which aired the next day.
2: Yeah. I mean, the next day you had the people that stormed the Capitol, even during it a little bit, you had them blaming Antifa. If you remember, right. Matt Gates right. went right. up on the floor and said, oh, we've identified Antifa. And it wasn't until weeks later, you know, seemingly maybe after this aired somewhere, that it became... FBI, you know, in three letter alphabet <laughs> yeah. uh, informants or instigators.
0: Absolutely. I think it's a really telling video and we'll get to it in just a second, but I want to just show you the video of him and Ed Lazanski because it is interesting.
1: Just, just to jump in real quick, you yeah. know what else happened on January 7th? Mm. The intelligence community actually put out a report on January 7th about the 2020 elections. So there was like a 15 page, very high level. This is an unclassified report having to do with what the intelligence communities here, our own intelligence communities found about the 2020 elections. And in that, they said, you know, Putin was trying to, you know, denigrate Biden, and he was, you know, supporting Trump, not certainly to the extent that they had had done in the 2016 election. But then they also sort of mentioned these things about Andre Dirkash. They talk about influence campaigns from Russian intelligence that were going Mm -hmm. through prominent Americans, right? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. think Ron Johnson, think Rudy Mm -hmm. Giuliani. So January 7th was an interesting day. And I think so much of that got lost because of what happened on January 6th, obviously, but that intelligence report, uh, it's it's definitely worth reading.
0: It's that's really an interesting point. Thank you. That's really interesting. Let's listen to the first clip then from Charles Balsman. This is on Russian state TV. It's propaganda. Everything you're about to hear from him is not true. But we want you to hear from him because it helps us understand how the Republicans are getting to their defense. So this is Bausman on Russian state television.
3: Bausman believes that the storming of the Capitol was a carefully planned false flag. It would be naive to think that the FBI and similar agencies did not have agent provocateurs in the crowd. Their assignment was likely to uh, start fighting with the police, breach the, the police barriers, and incite the crowd to join them.
0: That It may be true that there were FBI people on the ground. They probably were. But do we know they incited anybody? I don't think we know that at all. I don't think we've seen any credible reporting at all that there were any FBI instigators. Yet it is one of these things that has persisted in Republican circles.
1: Yeah, it was Antifa, it was Black Lives Matter, it was everybody but the Republicans, right? It was everybody but Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And even in that letter, when you look at what came out for Kevin McCarthy, they talked about even him saying, these are your supporters. He was telling Trump, McCarthy told Trump, these are your supporters.
0: Yeah, and this idea that this is a false flag, Gal, I mean, I think it's so, people have to understand a false flag means that the entire operation was you know, created to capture—I don't know—to incite a riot yeah. in order to capture them. I don't know what the thinking around a false flag would be, but it would be an incredibly impressive operation if this was a false flag. I mean, boy, you'd need well, so it'd much be coordination stupid
2: too because they yeah. failed, <laughs> right? And,
0: and the president was <laughs> in it's kind anyhow. of a
2: terrible one. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And yeah. Well, doing what's
2: interesting too. about Bausman too is like, what would be the purpose of it? Right. And Bowsman, when he talks about it being a false flag, he claims the purpose is just to make Trump and Trump supporters look bad. Well, that's the dumbest thing to put so much time and effort and money and death and into just to make they already look bad. I mean, and I don't. they power don't
0: anyhow. To... So why are you making them look right. bad? I mean, they were—they had lost the yeah. elections. They were going to be out of the political scene. So why, you know, what's the impetus for doing something like this? It, it sort of loses sensibility quite quickly. But yet, this is Russian state television. You know, right after the events, telling themselves, telling the Russian state—it's a very popular TV network—that this was a false flag, and also, I think, messaging that to the Republican Party here in the United States. So waiting for the Republican Party to pick that up as a defense which in fact we haven't heard yet entirely. We haven't heard the false flag thing come out from the official Republican sources, although it certainly rumbles away on Fox News and in other um, news networks. We, we want to talk about EPS in just a second as well, because I think it ties into this. But before we do, here's another clip, and this is about uh, Michael Pence. Again, this is Russian state propaganda. Everything you're about to hear is not true. You can't take this as being legitimate. And let's take a listen to what Charles Bowsman
3: has to say. Um, And there's a reason for that. There was a reason why the crowd was much angrier than perhaps people expected. Because just two hours before that, while Trump was making his speech, Mike Pence stabbed him in the back. Uh, in ca- in the Capitol building because Mike Pence, Objection the vice president the had the, the constitutional the right to, to stop the, the counting of the electors uh, because he had gotten re- official requests from the state legislatures where the votes were being challenged Pennsylvania, where we're sitting right now Georgia, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona um, all these places had said look, we don't think that the election was done properly in our state. We want more time to try and figure out what happened. So Mike Pence had every right to say, I can't certify these electors, let's send it back to the states and give them some more time. Boy, that editing on pants. <laughs>
2: right? Oh, and the music. So oh, my God, it's like Darth Vader's coming. I know.
0: <laughs> it's really interesting. I and mean, that's very important stuff, the semiotics of this. It's, but, you know, there he is looking like the devil with these, you know, this evil grin and these, you know, I'm not saying he's the nicest guy in the world. I'm not saying that, but he certainly doesn't look like uh, they're portraying him.
1: So seeing this for me is a, like want to see that almost in a vacuum because we have to take a larger view and see what else that really means. If he's talking about Pence having this sort of power, remember who else was saying that? It was Jeffrey Bosser Clark in his letter to Georgia that mm-hmm. Pence has this sort of power and it was the John Eastman memo, right, the plenary power. And then also in the lawsuits in I think it was um, there was a Wisconsin Voting Alliance or something like that that sued Mike Pence. And in that complaint they reference the exact same cases and same sort of uh, case law that was referenced in the Clark letter. So these three items, and all to me, the same sort of all come too. together. It's really interesting. It, it seems if the focus was that Pence has this power, everybody knew that Pence had this power. Charles Bousman, where do you get that information from? I mean, yeah. insider talent, you know?
0: I think that's a very good point. And I think what you're saying here is that well, there is a flow through of a plan. That yeah. was in the Eastman letter that was in all the thinking around Donald Trump's coordination of the coup, the war room and what have you, Giuliani's phone calls to various senators, the attempt to get almost 100 congressmen to come along with this. You know, they had meetings to do just exactly that based on this idea that Pence had this power when we know he doesn't really have that power. And how did Charles Bausman know any of this stuff? I mean, he would have to be pretty plugged in. I have an idea. To everything. Go ahead, Gal.
2: Yeah. Who else lives in Pennsylvania or is very, you know, in touch with Pennsylvania is Ivan Raiklin Mm -hmm. and Ivan Raiklin what came up with the Pence card.
0: You know what? That's a really, really good point. I'm going to actually pull that. When you look at the two sort of Russian-influenced cells, if you want to call them or call them what you will, in Trump in this event of January the 6th, it certainly, here's one, is Michael Flynn and his group of three, Phil Waldron, Sam Cashel, and Ivan Reichlin, who is someone who was born in the Soviet Union and also someone who, you know, appears to be... Operating on behalf of Russia, that's one group, and then you see the, the Charles Balsman group as another. But they both seem to be talking the same language, and it is interesting that you point that out, Gal. And we haven't really heard much about Ivan Reikland. um Have he, he's not been called yet? Has he to testify or anything like that?
1: Not to my no. Word, he's worried no. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He's got thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting too about this is is again come back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, right? So last night, you guys were having the conversation about all the different things that were occurring in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. The interview that Bausman was doing was done in Lancaster. When Ivan Reichlin's operatives approached Everett Stern, you know, allegedly what Everett Stern is, is saying, who was supposed to be in the debate tonight, by the way, and, you know, he's, oh, really? he's unable to do that. Yeah, The, the Pennsylvania GOP won't let him. Interesting. But that was Lancaster, right? So when we looked at the pictures and everything that took place with him and Belmay and Ruth, I believe it was, there was a sign that the Lancaster Patriots. So this is all something going on in Lancaster. Something else, and That's this right. is you know relatively new, or maybe just new to me. One of the things um, that we've been looking at has been this thing called the Amistad Project. And there's probably going to be a lot more discussion on that at another time, I think. But one of the things that they were saying within our findings, they're talking about votes and ballots being transported from New York pennsylvania and of course they went to lancaster and they're saying that those votes disappeared in lancaster so it's just so odd that you know this place that's within if you throw a rock scott perry's district Mm. uh, representative scott perry's district is right next door to lancaster so there's a hotbed in lancaster pennsylvania
0: that is really interesting to point that out and of course the boonies are not far away uh, from there so i think that's interesting too when you look at this map that i've got here of where bowsman had his three properties in quarryville you know, it's not far away. It was a two hours away that uh, the Moonies have their bases as well in Pennsylvania. But you are looking at a place that is was really the hotbed of everything that happened in 2020. It seems to have, have taken place in that zone. I haven't heard about the Armistead project either, but I think you're raising some interesting points there that I think are very important for everyone to look at. That, you know, this was an operation that was taking place in Pennsylvania, probably against the Pennsylvania voters. And I don't know why not much attention is being paid to it because there clearly is a foreign operative footprint here which looks like it was very active in pennsylvania now it could be that they've reached some sort of agreement with the russians and the russians are no longer here for that reason that could be one of the things that has happened because the way they deal with these things is counterintelligence we wouldn't necessarily see the court case or anything out in public But I wonder if the commission should still be taking a look at this. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be looking at the fact that there were Russian operatives involved in this.
1: Nor should they lose sight of the fact that this is an ongoing event, right? I mean, this is an operation, it's still Mm -hmm. occurring because tomorrow, Ivan Reichlin is supposed to go to New Hampshire and he's looking to go to, I think he called for 10,000 people to go to New Hampshire's capital and Concord tomorrow to support legislation that would, I think, change the voting machine or not allow certain voting machines. So I don't even I don't know that decision. that's really interesting. Tomorrow, yeah,
0: tomorrow Ivan Reichlin's is doing this thing. I can't Correct. believe he's still active in Republican politics. It's kind of
1: stunning. Yeah. And this is his second trip. Yeah. So he came to, I think he was in New, in New Hampshire in um, November, I mm-hmm. think uh, last year. And was there for again affidavits, right? Same thing mm-hmm. that was going on in Michigan and, and other places, but to you know be making this other trip, you know, to New Hampshire is again like what, why New Hampshire? Why what is, is this, still what, happening? What are they? Are they trying to change the voting machines there's, out there? Yeah, there's legislation that there that's, is uh,
2: oh. They have a state representative there that is introducing a bill, and what that bill is going to do is make everything, there's no electronics and no vote counting machines. So essentially what they're doing is they're removing all of the counting mechanisms. Everything would have to be done by hand, and so that's what they're rallying.
0: Which, of course, they're replacing all the state of election officials and all the state secretaries. Of course, uh, if you've, if it's been done by hand, you might have more ways to influence that. If, you know, the people they hire to do the counting are motivated to do so. So that's really interesting. I, that's, I hadn't thought about that.
1: I don't want to see any hanging chads, you know. Yeah. I mean please,
0: no more hanging <laughs> chads. Let's take a look at another one here. Now, this is overriding Christian theme to what Bausman supports. He has various other websites that are pro-Christian that are very all about the, especially the Russian Orthodox Church. He's very much a believer in the church, but also propagates it as, you know as the right way of thinking. And then he aligns that with Donald Trump a lot and the Trump campaign in everything that he talks about. So he's always referring to the you know the, the white Christians in, in Russia, but he's also obviously signaling the white Christians in the United States. And in this backdrop that he sort of declares that there is some sort of threat imminent to the American democracy, and that the Christian good people of America are the ones that are upstanding and fighting at first. Let's take a look at this other clip from Russian State TV. This is propaganda. Nothing you're about to watch is real, or oh, true, sorry.
3: So what these people, what their goal actually is, in all seriousness, is they want to control the whole world. That's what they'd like to do, and that's what they're trying to push you know, every aspect of society and government in America to achieve for them. Um, It's the same universalist ideology that's just like uh, communism uh, That's just like the neoconservative idea of controlling the whole world That's what they want to do and you know the 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 right analogy is this so uh, in the Bible mm, the devil tempted Christ and he said look if you'll just come over to my side I'll give you power over the whole world. You'll control everything, and you'll be like the king of the world. And it looks like these crazy megalomaniacs who are pushing these policies now were also given that choice, and they chose not like Christ, but they chose to have power, and that's what they're after. Okay. So that's a terrible analogy,
0: obviously, because it doesn't make sense the way he's describing it. But you know, regardless of that, I think what he's trying to say is that these alliance of globalists, left, right, what do you call them? Crazy megalomaniacs are trying to take over the world. I mean... It's so inconceivable. I'm not saying the globalist movement wasn't a global movement. Of course, it was a global movement. I mean, whether it was a movement or just a natural progression, you know, who can say that you can say. But I will say that this is just nonsense. And really the people who are trying to take over the world and destroy democracy are the people that he is supporting, which are autocrats yeah. and
1: monarchists. Yeah, I think the gaslighting is insane, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, this broadcast really wasn't for us, it's mm-hmm. for the Russians. So they're getting this information and they don't know that it's gaslighting. We can see it because we live in a democracy and we can, mm-hmm. you know, we have other information we have available to us. But this is, you know, gaslighting of the highest order. It does really
0: frame for you what the Russian strategy is here. This they are trying to frame a conflict between, you know, sort of rational, left-leaning people, and this sort of this crazy—same way he uses "crazy" as he did—but you know, this sort of very out there, autocratic, right-wing fringe movement to try and end democracy, which has been working just fine. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative, and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.